What is up guys, it is Quinn here. And in this video, I'm gonna be jumping into my top waiver wire targets heading into week seven of the NFL season. So you guys know the drill by now, basically going through the top five players on the waiver wire at every position that I think you guys should be looking to pick up to add to your team. And then these are gonna be players who are available in 50% or more leagues. And then I'm using the ESPN waiver wire to get those percentages. If you guys enjoy the content, hit that like button, subscribe to the channel. If you have any fantasy questions, it doesn't have to be related to the waiver wire. You guys can drop those down below and I will get back to every single person. But let's just jump right into it and starting off with the running back position. It's the weekly segment talking about Rashad White. He is still only owned in 25.9% of leagues. Once again, I'm gonna say he is the most valuable handcuff in the NFL. The Buccaneers have been feeding Leonard Fournette. If he were to go down, Rashad White steps in. I think he'd be a top 10 running back on a week-to-week basis. And he is kind of filtering in here and there, had eight opportunities this week, fills in on some passing downs, but his value is going to come from a Fournette injury, which if we're being honest, I'm not trying to predict an injury here, but it seems pretty unlikely that with the workload Fournette has right now, that he's going to play a full season. I'm not going to say he's going to go out, you know, suffer some catastrophic injury, but just the wear and tear of being an NFL running back with his workload, I would not be surprised at all if Rashad White was getting a few starts throughout the season. The second running back here is going to be Kenyon Drake, who's only owned in 3.3% of leagues. And Kenyon Drake really just came out of nowhere, led this backfield in snaps, had a 58% uh, snap share, 50% route participation, 10 carries for 119 yards and a touchdown. Now, this is a weird situation here in the Ravens' backfield because they pretty consistently, or I guess since Dobbins has been back, it has been either Kenyon Drake or Justice Hill. Justice Hill was inactive with an injury, I believe. And then they have Dobbins and then they have Mike Davis. So the question is, if Hill is healthy, does Kenyon Drake go from having this 119 yard, one touchdown game to all of a sudden being inactive? It's a weird situation because there are like four relevant running backs here with Kenyon Drake, um, Justice Hill, J.K. Dobbins, and then Mike Davis. They've all had different opportunities. So it's a weird spot. The bigger picture thing here is that this is not a good look for J.K. Dobbins, that you have a running back who's been a healthy scratch come in and just totally outproduce you. But if Kenyon Drake can hold on to this role, being the leading snap getter in the Ravens backfield is a valuable position to have. So someone who's definitely you know worth picking up, especially if you're in a competitive league, and then just kind of seeing how this backfield plays out throughout the week and then going into week seven. We've got another handcuff here in Alexander Madison, who is owned in 38.6% of leagues. I do believe the Vikings are on bye next week, but we're not drafting him or we're not picking him up to play him right away. We're just picking him up as a handcuff to Dalvin Cook. So maybe you can wait on it, but I do think he is definitely rosterable. Then we have Deion Jackson, who is owned in 23% of leagues. And this is a weird situation because he could just be potentially irrelevant heading into week seven if uh, JT returns, if Naheem Hines returns. But it's also possible that he's just a clear go-ahead start if JT misses again and then Naheem Hines is also out. But he'd probably still be startable even if Hines was playing. He was just so dominant this past week. 28.1 fantasy points, 12 carries for 42 yards and a touchdown. But the majority of that production came from 10 receptions and 79 receiving yards. So just someone who should be rostered at this point, especially if you're in a competitive league, like the waiver wire is probably pretty gross at the running back position. So if you can just stash Deion Jackson here, 
I think he's definitely worth picking up and can be startable if these injuries linger for JT. You know, maybe they see Deion Jackson play and they're like, all right, let's not rush JT back. Let's make sure he's 100% good to go. All these things could be in play here. And then the final running back, Samaj P. Ryan, owning 5.1% of leagues. Another handcuff on here. If Mixon goes down, Samaje does become a very viable start at the running back position. Now, moving over to the wide receiver position, I think there are some very interesting options here. And then also a few players who have kind of been, you know, repeat occurrences in this video. Starting it off with Rondell Robinson, who is owned in 44.4% of leagues. And since he has made his return, or I guess he played his first game of the season in week four, he has seen 23 targets in three games. In this role he's playing, this is where we saw Greg Dorch go for like 13, 15, and 17 points. He is very, very startable in this role. And coming into this week, you know, looking ahead to week seven, I was kind of concerned for Rondell Moore. If D-Hop comes back, you have Hollywood there. I kind of thought he was going to be phased out. Now, unfortunately for Hollywood Brown owners, it looks like he is pretty banged up. Potentially nothing crazy serious. I saw the x-ray came back negative, but he could still miss time. So if Rondell Moore is operating as the number two behind DeAndre Hopkins, I still think he's startable on a week-to-week basis. So definitely someone who should be picked up, especially with bye weeks, you need a spot start. I think Rondell Moore could totally fill that role so long as you don't have Diop and Hollywood on the field at the same time. Another guy who I was talking about last week, Alec Pierce, owned in 24.2% of leagues. He is a rookie who has now given you three straight startable performances, 12 points, 16.1 points, and then 13.9 points this past Sunday. Unfortunately, he was still trailing Paris Campbell in snaps. It kind of seemed like he was going to be able to maybe hop Campbell, especially considering that Paris Campbell really hadn't done anything. Then, of course, you know, as luck would have it, Paris Campbell goes out and has the best game of his season. So maybe Pierce is still going to be stuck behind him, but I definitely think he's still going to be a fringe start moving forward. And you do just want to be rostering these young, like rookie wide receivers who are showing their talent, they're breaking out. These are the players you want on your team because they can be league winners down the stretch. We've got another rookie here, and that is Wandell Robinson, owning 6.3% of leagues. I believe I talked about him last week, and I feel like I was pretty on top of it here. This was his first full game. He appeared in week one, but you know was injured, I think, within like the first quarter. So obviously, you're not getting really anything out of him there. But in this game, he had four targets, three receptions, 37 yards, and a touchdown. Now, that stat line by itself isn't anything crazy, but when you actually look at how few snaps he played, he'll need a 23% snap share and then a 34% route participation. So with that little usage, to turn that into four targets, three receptions, 37 yards, and a touchdown, that is impressive. Since he did go out and make the most of his opportunities, I would be shocked if he doesn't have an increased role next week heading into week seven. And I think he's very talented. I think he can continue to carve out a larger and larger role until he is a full-time starter on this team. And if he's the full-time starter, like I would not be shocked if right now Wandell Robinson is the best receiver on the Giants. If you can get that guy on your team right now, you may just have to wait a few weeks. I think it's going to be worth it to pick up Rondell Robinson. Then we're going to move over to Corey Davis, who is owned in 27.6% of leagues. He's not a super flashy pickup, but he operated as the clear wide receiver one for the Jets this past week. He had an 85% snap share and a 95% route participation. We saw both Elijah Moore and Garrett Wilson have under a 60% snap share and they were both under a 70% route participation. So, you know, 
Personally, I would like to see Elijah Moore and Garrett Wilson getting all these opportunities. But right now, the Jets are deeming Corey Davis to be you know, their number one wide receiver. They want him on the field more than Garrett Wilson and more than Elijah Moore. So I think he's definitely rosterable. And with buys coming up, you know, we've got some solid teams with solid wide receivers on buys. I think he could be a spot start in deeper leagues, um, you know, even though this Jets passing attack hasn't really been lighting it up. And then the final wide receiver here, this is going to be more of a like deep stash, deeper league option, but it is Tyquan Thornton, who is owned in 0.6% of leagues. He was someone that got a lot of hate. I guess maybe he didn't get hate. The Patriots got a lot of hate for picking him in the second round. Personally, I did not like that pick. I wasn't a huge fan of it either. But like I've talked about, I can put my priors aside once guys go out and start to produce. This was his second NFL game. He operated as the clear wide receiver three behind Jacoby Myers and Devonta Parker. I believe Kendrick Bourne was banged up. So maybe that's why Thornton got this opportunity. But he made the most of it, targeted five times, caught four of those for 37 yards and then a touchdown. And then the Patriots also manufactured three carries for him. And he turned that into 16 yards and a touchdown. So I'm not going to be going out and throwing Tyquan Thornton into my lineup on a 12-team league, you know, heading into week seven. That's definitely not what's going to be happening here. But just like I talked about with Alec Pierce, when these young rookie wide receivers are starting to break out, we have to pay attention. And I'd rather stash a guy like Tyquan Thornton than hold some, you know, random veteran who's never going to crack my lineup. So just someone to look out for. And if you're in a larger league, potentially someone to pick up. Now, moving over to the quarterback position, we're going to be talking about some of the uh, you know the typical options here. Started off with Marcus Mariota, owned in 14.6% of leagues, had a really strong performance on Sunday, 24 fantasy points, a really clean stat line also, 13 of 14 for 129 yards passing, two passing touchdowns, and then added 50 rushing yards and a touchdown on the ground. This is back-to-back performances with at least 50 rushing yards. In terms of fantasy value, this is what we need to be seeing out of Marcus Mariota, because, you know, the 13 of 14 is nice, but the passing volume is going to be low. We know this. We can't have the passing volume low and giving us, you know, zero uh, rushing upside. He needs that rushing upside to produce for fantasy football, but I do think he'll likely be a fringe start this week, because when we're looking at the teams with buys, we have Josh Allen on by, Jalen Hurts on by, Kirk Cousins on by, and then I guess if you're still playing Matthew Stafford, Matthew Stafford on by. That's at least three very relevant uh, fantasy quarterbacks, four if you're throwing in Matthew Stafford, who was relevant preseason. So he likely could be in play for some teams off the waiver wire. Then we have Daniel Jones, who is owned in 26.4% of leagues. He's been a pretty safe, kind of a high floor, low ceiling fantasy play this season. He has scored between 12 and 22 points in all six games. And obviously 12 points isn't lighting it up. But we've seen some strong quarterbacks really just flop like four, five, six, seven, eight points. So he does have a decent base and he does go up against the Jaguars on Sunday who just got absolutely torched by Matt Ryan. So maybe there's something there playing a matchup. Like I talked about, a lot of quarterbacks on by. He could be the best option you have off of waivers. And then the final quarterback just mentioned his team, Matt Ryan, 12.7% ownership. The Colts offense could be turning a corner here. They went from looking absolutely brutal against the Broncos. You know, Matt Ryan was averaging 11.3 points per game heading into week six. Then he goes out, throws for 389 yards and three touchdowns with no turnovers. So maybe someone you throw in as a start. If I, you know, had a choice, I would like to see if he can reproduce these numbers or not, you know, put up 400 yards and three touchdowns, but give us another solid performance. 
But I understand, you know, with these quarterbacks out, you may not have that luxury. So he could be a fill-in off the waiver wire. And then moving over to the tight end position, I feel like this is probably the best waiver wire tight end crop we've had all season. This was a great week for potential waiver wire pickups here. Going to start it off with Robert Tunyon, who is owned in 27.4% of leagues. He comes out, targeted 12 times, catches 10 of them for 90 receiving yards. And he had a 76% route participation. That's nothing crazy at the tight end position, but that is very notable because through the first five weeks, he was sitting at a 50% route participation. So 50% route participation, basically useless for fantasy, especially on a passing attack that wasn't doing anything crazy. But the number that was actually solid for Tunyon through those first five weeks was that he was 10th at the tight end position in target rate. So even though he wasn't on the field a ton, when he was running routes, he was commanding targets at a decent rate. If he can stick around this 75% number, that could make him very viable for fantasy. Now, this was one week. It could be an outlier, or this could be something that continues in the future, something we're going to have to monitor here. But if he can stick by that number, I do think he'll be startable. So if he's on waivers and you can get a potential you know, consistent start in your lineup, I definitely think he's worth a pickup. Another guy who's worth a pickup is going to be Hunter Henry. So he is owned in 37.3% of leagues. And after being a decently reliable option last season, he had basically been a zero through five weeks so far. He has seen a major uptick in usage over the past two weeks. So he had a decent week five. And then coming in here in week six, he has a 97% snap share and an 81% route participation. Those are elite numbers at the tight end position. He turns that into seven targets, four receptions, 61 yards, and a touchdown. So another player who will likely be a fringe start this week, and if he can keep up that usage, could be a consistent start moving forward. Another guy in a similar range here, Evan Ingram, owning 29.2% of leagues. I've talked about him in a few different videos here. His route participation is always top-notch, 86% this past week. Turns that into six targets, five receptions, 40 yards. Not a high-volume passing day for the Jaguars. So decent production when you, you know put that into context. And then we have Mike Gusecki, owned in 40.6% of leagues. And I've been talking about Mike Gusecki basically, you know, all season long. His usage was not good. They have this new role for him. They're making him play like a real tight end. I said he was droppable, and he was early on in the season because the usage was not there. He saw a major turnaround this week with a 76% route participation. He turned that into seven targets, six receptions, 69 receiving yards, and two touchdowns. I think he's a viable spot start if this continues. It's tough to say if it will, but I mean, you give a guy an opportunity, you up his usage, he turns it into almost 70 yards and two touchdowns. I feel like you would think that warrants you know, increased playing time moving forward or just keeping that same role, but we will have to wait and see. And then the final tight end here, we have Daniel Bellinger, who's owned in 2.4% of leagues. I was going to put down Irv Smith, but I believe he's on bye. So there's not really any point in picking up like a fringe tight end who, you know, you're going to need as a spot start if they are on by. So I thought this would be a good opportunity to talk about Daniel Bellinger, who, like I said, owned in only 2.4% of leagues. He basically was going from like a part-time player to now looking like a full-time tight end at an 81% route participation. And he turns that into five targets, five receptions for 38 yards and a touchdown. So just another interesting option to look at. Maybe you're in a league where the tight end position is just totally picked through and, you know, Gasecki's not available, Henry's not available, Ingram's not available. Bellinger could be a guy you throw into your lineup. 
And then the final position, we've got the defenses. I think there's a few solid streaming options and then maybe some iffier ones after that. Starting it off with the Dolphins, who are only owned in 32.4% of leagues. They are going up against the Steelers. Steelers offense, I know they got the dub against the Buccaneers. That offense is not a good unit. Buccaneers offense just could not do anything in that game. Then we have the Broncos, owned in 34.5% of leagues. Despite the offensive struggles, Broncos still have a very strong defense. Going up against the Jets, now the Jets have looked like a very strong football team. I think a lot of that is through the defense and the special teams. The offense is still a little iffy there, so I do think the Broncos are a strong play. We've got the Raiders, who you know don't necessarily have the most elite defense, only owned in 1.3% of leagues, coming off of a bye, but they go up against the Texans, so a great matchup. Then some of the iffier ones, we have the Bengals, owned in 47.2% of leagues, going up against the Falcons. The Falcons just had a pretty impressive game against the 49ers. It was a banged up defense, so a little uncertainty there, but could be a decent stream. And then the final defense, we have the Cardinals, who are only owned in 2.2% of leagues. They're going up against the Saints. The Saints are super banged up offensively, but they just ran out like all these random wide receivers and put up a really tough fight against the Bengals. So maybe an iffy team to start against the Cardinals, considering the Cardinals don't have some sort of elite unit but just another option if the waiver wire is picked through. So those are my top waiver wire targets. If you guys did enjoy, hit that like button, subscribe to the channel. If you guys want to check in, you know I want to pick up this player. Do I drop this guy? I'll be making sure to answer all of those questions. But as always, thank you guys for stopping by and I'll see you in the next one.